Open our lips, O God, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. With many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables. Which raises the question, why did Jesus always speak in parables? I mean, if you've got a point to make, Jesus, just make it, please, so we can get on with things and get to work, right? You know, don't, don't speak in this stuff that's kind of obtuse and imagery and seeds and falling in the ground and dying and just get to the point. That too much to ask. But there's something about parables that give us insight into Jesus and ultimately into God. Think about what parables do, and this isn't original with me, this is old understanding of what parables are. These aren't stories that have simple, quick answers, simple, quick understandings. They demand a lot of us. They demand that we engage them, that we ponder them, that we contemplate them. They demand a lot of intentionality with us engaging the parables. You can't just kind of come by, look at it, and go, oh, that's a nice cheat sheet. I get it. They won't do that. We can't control the story. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you are members of Controllers Anonymous? <laughs> right? If we just had enough control here, someone would just get some control here, everything would be fine, thank you, and I'm glad to step up if you need me. Again, we have to receive the parable on its terms. We have to be the ones who, like Mary, looking at her own son, pondered these things in her heart, wondering what they might mean. Mary has to ponder and contemplate what her own son is about. And there's a part of this that could be problematic where we hear um, Jesus speaking privately to the disciples and helping them understand the parables. But the gospel writer isn't so much trying to say there's an exclusive club, and if you kind of know Jesus, you get to know, and if you don't. But in fact, what the writer is saying is if you know Jesus, you'll start to be in that group that wrestles and understands them. Because to understand the parables of Jesus, you've got to be in relationship with Jesus and a close relationship with Jesus. Again, they're not just something you can read on a cheat sheet or go to Wikipedia to get the condensed version. If we are to understand the parables and receive them, then we have to be in regular relationship with Jesus. They do indeed give us insight into Jesus and to God. Because after all, as one writer says, it's not surprising that Jesus teaches in parables because Jesus himself is a parable. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you tried to say, I really understand Jesus now? How do you think about Jesus today relative to, say, five years ago? Or 10 years ago? Or 20 years ago? The things we go through in life, the experiences we have as communities, our aging, all of this impacts how we experience, relate to Jesus, God. 
And Jesus and God are like that parable that just keeps unfolding every time we come to it, speaking to us again on its terms. Because Jesus and God are not something we ever master. Sounds kind of like a lot of hubris when you put it that way, right? But it does mean that we approach Jesus, we approach God as a parable. To be on the way with Jesus, to be a part of the Jesus movement, as Bishop Curry reminds us that we are, means that we as a community, we as individuals, have to be listeners and ponderers and contemplatives. You heard Jason Chambers a few weeks back talk about how in this past year when we've been discerning through the koinonia process and listening and listening to the community and asking God to speak to us about what are the ways for us to be engaged in the community and through that process hearing that we are being called, we are hearing ourselves being called to be engaged with issues of racial and economic equity, to be engaged in things like housing and access to education and health. And it would be easy at this point when we're saying, okay, now we have finished that chapter and as we go through the summer transitioning into how it is that we engage in relationships with the community to say, well, we listened last year, now we're going to work. When in fact, as we go forward, we still need to listen and contemplate. We have not finished hearing the stories that we need to hear. The parable of our community will keep speaking. And we need to keep listening and contemplating because the parable of Jesus and the parable of human beings never ends. It's about relationship. So the parables themselves, particularly the first one, it's a story of awe and wonder. The sower goes out. The sower is essential to the story. The sower is essential to getting the seed spread out. But then the sower goes to sleep, wakes up, and notices this thing growing and doesn't comprehend how it happens, but certainly observes the growth and the beauty and certainly participates in the harvest and the fruitfulness of what that whole process is about. There's an awe and a wonder of choosing to participate, but looking at something like these beautiful flowers and stepping back and going, I could read my earth science book, but my earth science book doesn't describe the interaction of this beauty. And that we get to sit here this morning with this beauty. That's the awe and wonder of the story. On the one hand, the sower is essential At the same time, the sower has no control and the sower is invited to be part of the generation of beauty and life. It's kind of like when Elizabeth and Mary get together, the text we had written, read some weeks ago where the two pregnant women join and Elizabeth looks at the belly of Mary and says, how is it that I am visited by God in you. Who am I to have the very life and being of God with me? You know, she doesn't suffer from lack of self-esteem. She's just standing there in awe and wonder at the life before and saying, who are we that we get invited that God's doing this through our bodies, 
ourselves literally. And she's standing there in awe and wonder. And we know that life is not always beautiful. If you read the paper this morning, you saw on the front page that in Buncombe County, the rate of infant deaths for black members of our community is three times that of white members. That the infant death rate of America for all developed countries leads the world. That we have twice the rate of infant deaths in America as the country who comes in second and countries combined. And the racial realities, the demographics of that are obvious and glaring. When we read the stories of the thousands of children who are being pulled apart from their families because people like me want good, cheap goods and services, yet we all participate in this crazy duplicitousness of immigration. It's not beautiful, and the generation of children that we are raising up will haunt us generationally. At the same time, in that same story today about the infant mortality rate, this parable today can be experienced. Because what you see is in the midst of ugliness, people choosing to learn from people. And the Mayhek folks will tell you that when they went into some of our neighborhoods with our African-American sisters and tried to fix the problem, the first response was not great. Let's just put it that way. Kind of like, you're here to fix us, are you? But when they backpedaled and realized their approach and said, how about if you tell us who you are? How about if you tell us what you have learned and what resources you have? What you see in the story is that women in the neighborhood are teaching each other how to be midwives. Women in the neighborhood are providing the services of care and the community to deal with a communal ugliness so that they are creating beauty among themselves. Because what the Mayhek folks realized was that rather than going in to fix the problem, they had to approach those folks as a parable. What can you teach us on your terms? And how do we learn to see the beauty that's already here? How do we get to participate in the beauty of that life? And who are we to do so? Have you ever watched a tree grow? A plant grow? What's it like to watch a human being grow? What's it like to watch a human community grow? That's what we get to participate in. That's the beauty. Who are we that this friendship should speak to me of the sacred? Who are we that we get to see or hear a piece of music that just makes us weep because we've been taken somewhere? Who are we that we get to see the sunsets? Who are we that we get to see these communities know their own health and life and we get to participate in them? Awe and wonder. Sisters and brothers, if we are to do what the collect this morning states, if we are to proclaim truth 
with boldness, if we are to minister justice with compassion, we have to do that from a place of awe and wonder. We have to do that from a place of believing and seeing and seeking beauty because anything else will not bring life. We are invited to awe and wonder and beauty. There's another aspect of this parable. It's not one that I like a lot, but it's that part about reminding ourselves that we are not in control because truly to participate in the parable is to participate in surrender. To acknowledge, I don't have it all. I don't have control. I must surrender. And not some kind of abusive surrender, but the kind of surrender that Jesus talks about. No one will take my life, but I will lay it down. I will lay my life down for life. Folks who were here about 10 years ago remember that um, Becky and I and the girls got this sabbatical study grant to retrace my father's steps uh, through World War II and battlefields and where he became a prisoner of war. And leading up to that, I'd spent years researching the stories to try to get a hold of this reality of my dad's that just marinated our family life. There's no other way to put it. And as a kind of really culmination of years of research and interviewing people and trying to get a grip on this thing, trying to find some health about it, we found ourselves over there and, and being led by this, these beautiful Belgian folks who were taking us through the fields of battle. And on the second day that we were with them, took us to this hillside about, hillside about the size of a football field, this wooded area, where my dad and several hundred soldiers um, held out for about 48 hours. They were surrounded, and the Nazis told them, surrender or we will just simply eliminate you and move on. They were out of munitions and food, and they're in about a foot of snow. And they decide, we've got to surrender. And so as our Belgian friend led us up into this wooded area, and we were with him, and he had a text, some, a portion of a passage that one of the soldiers who had been there wrote about their time, those 48 hours there. And he read that portion, and then he stopped and my siblings who had joined us for this and I said, we'd like some time to be quiet just to kind of walk around by ourselves in this woods to try to somehow take in the denseness and the thinness of this space. And at one point, I came upon my sister and she looked at me and she said, you know, as I'm walking around in this wood and trying to take it in, I'm realizing that we have come as far as we can on this journey. And it's now time for us to surrender to the story. And it's been interesting with them comparing over the years the kind of freedom that ripples in with the practice of surrender. find our lives, we must surrender. Surrender to the reality that for the story to have life, we must engage it, but we can't control it. Because after all, as Jesus says, 
It is the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of Todd. It is the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of Lorraine or Becky or any of us. It's the kingdom of God. And the beauty is that we have been invited into its generation. A life and a beauty that only comes with surrender. For to be part of the Jesus movement is to be a people on the way. To be part of the Jesus movement is to live from awe and wonder. To be part of the movement of Jesus is to be contemplative even as we are acting contemplative sojourners, contemplative actors in this world. To be part of the Jesus movement is to understand that the parables in Jesus and God are finally about relationship and surrender and an invitation into immense beauty.